3: abraham lincoln radio studio at the george washington broadcast center jack armstrong and joe getty the armstrong and getty show
1: before the government runs out of money tomorrow congress is reportedly set to pass stopgap legislation to keep the government funded through two and a half more months is it just me or is the
4: government always waiting until the last minute to fund itself The federal government is like a kid running for the school bus with one pant leg on holding a waffle. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: That's good. That's pretty funny. Are we going to have a shutdown? God, you talk about a conversation that makes me hit the dial fast. Uh, Oh, Oh, please. So Uh, we are the world's oldest democracy. Did you know that? The United States of America, as young as we are, we're the world's oldest democracy. And a lot of us give credit to our founding fathers and their genius with the Constitution. And there seems to be some belief in certain circles that it was like handed down by God and uh, infallible, like they uh, talk about with the Pope. Um, But could you do a little tweaking around the edges of the Constitution? I find that a fascinating conversation that I know our friend Tim Sandifer has engaged in many times over the years.
4: Well, certainly a mechanism exists within the Constitution to amend itself, so obviously we agree sometimes it ought to be de- amended. Uh, Tim Santafer, Vice President for Litigation at the Goldwater Institute, just took part in a really interesting-sounding exercise with some other thinkers that he's going to tell us about and we'll jaw about a little bit. Tim, how
0: are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Quick, easy question. Is the Constitution perfect as is?
5: No, and it wasn't perfect when it was first produced.
0: Uh, obviously because we've had all those amendments America
4: since. hater America yeah, hater exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So what was this uh, what was this conference you took part in it sounds fascinating
5: it was, and I was asked to participate in a project with the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia with a group of other uh, law professors and lawyers. To well, it was a two-stage project. The first thing we did was we divided up into teams and proposed brand new constitutions. We wrote our own versions of, of what we would like to see as constitutions. And I'll so bet your
0: a, I'll bet yours had more Star Trek references than most.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had thought of that. No, it it was uh, there was team conservative, team progressive, and team libertarian, and we uh, I was on the libertarian team and we proposed our constitution that was a couple of years ago this time around we ca- we all of us got together and we hammered out proposed amendments to the existing constitution that we
4: could all more or less agree
5: on all three of these teams and so we came oh. up with five proposals
4: well so no so all three teams agreed on these five proposals more or less, there
5: were okay. uh, there were some dissents. In fact, I disagreed with one of the amendments when we were finally finished. But we did a pretty good job, I thought, of coming up with some. You know, they're not they're not huge things, but they're simply they're important things.
0: Well, let's hear. it. Well,
4: I, well before we one, get there, if you don't mind terribly, um, so like, how many did each team produce that ended up getting rejected?
5: Uh, well, there was one lengthy uh, effort to change how the Senate operates change the apportionment of the senate and everything and libertarians and conservatives were opposed to that and so that got thrown out and you know i try and redistricting and things like that and we were opposed to that and an effort to create a bipartisan commission and i personally don't think the constitution should make any reference to to political parties at all i think that a dangerous step to take so we we rejected that but we agreed on eliminating the natural born citizenship requirement for the presidency, hmm. for example. we You know, it's silly that that you have to be born within the United States when you think that a lot of our best citizens have been immigrants to this country. So instead of saying a person has to be 35 years old and born here, why not make it that you have to be a citizen for a certain amount of time? Well, I, I suggested 35 years. We narrowed it down to 15 years. Be, be, a, be a citizen of the United States and live in the United States for 14 years. Your 15, 15 years, and you can be president of the United States.
0: Well, what was the Another original one- concern of the founding fathers with that, anyway?
5: Well, they were concerned about people coming to the United States from foreign countries and getting a large following and then taking over the machinery of government, which was not at all an unreasonable worry in the early United States. There were some very weird efforts to, like, you know, the Burr conspiracy to separate the Western states and, and declare their independence from the Eastern states and all these sorts of things that went on in early America. And so it was legitimate for them to be worried about that at the early stages of our democracy. But we're so stable now that that seems a less likely concern. Right. And just making sure somebody, you know, has, has been a citizen for a long time should be good enough.
0: Well, welcome a Manchurian candidate, then. All right. Or, or <laughs> uh, the all-hail President Schwarzenegger, if that's what you want. But go ahead. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Another one is is to change how the 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 term impose term limits on justices of the Supreme Court instead of it being you serve for life basically I mean the current Constitution says good behavior which means the only t- only way you can get rid of a Supreme Court justice is impeachment or if the person dies or resign and instead we suggested how about making it that uh, they serve staggered eighteen year terms Love so that, that a certain number of justices is leaving the court and being replaced not in not not in sync with a new president because you don 't want to make it so that your entire legal system changes every time somebody right. gets elected to office, that mm-hmm. would be a, a disaster, but instead stagger it, but make it long and stable so that you have a turnover in office.
4: that seems legitimate hey, just out of curiosity, I have friends who range from geniuses to half wits um, and i <laughs> which one which one am i joe <laughs> let 's move on um <laughs> i I don't recall running into anybody who was staunchly opposed to that proposal as that sort of thing gets kicked around. Tim, do you know a lot of thinkers who think, oh, no, no, we've got to stick with the lifetime appointment?
5: I don't think there's anybody who's of that view, but I do think people are worried that fiddling with how the Supreme Court serves opens the door to things like court packing and, and and coming up with a system that would make it overly political so that, you know, Republicans get elected and and completely overturn the Constitution, or Democrats get elected completely overturn the Constitution, which has been tried in the past. and that So we want to come up with a system that avoids those risks. But, no, I don't think anybody in principle thinks that it has to be, you know, lifetime appointments. But we do want judges to be insulated from the political process. That's very important, to be stable so that they can impose legal restrictions on politics. What the Constitution does is it imposes restrictions on democracy by making democracy abide by the law. That's a very... Unusual thing, and that's very important to preserve. So that's that's our main concern.
0: Well, so the, the, I I think what most people hate is just the randomness of it. The idea that yeah. three people kick it and Trump gets to appoint them, and if they don't, nobody he gets to appoint nobody. You know, seems weird. But aren't you going to end up with even if you stagger it? Won't you basically have Supreme Court justices on the ballot then when you go to vote for president? The candidate that says, is- "Here are the two people I'm going to appoint," and you know, I in the year so. twenty six.
5: Yeah, I think so, but I but I think that's already the system. I mean, when one of the main reasons why people voted for Donald Trump was because of the Supreme Court and they they knew that justices were getting old and were likely to die in office and they wanted a Republican in there who was going to appoint justices that they'd agree with. So that's already the system and if I think making it more overt and acknowledging that instead of pretending otherwise is probably a good step. Hmm. Another, now, here's one that I disagreed with. Everybody else li- thought this was a good idea. We changed the impeachment process to try and clarify what the standards are and to say that a, a, a president can be impeached for abusing his power as well as for illegality, which I think is correct. But I also thought that the president should be impeachable for either insanity or mental incompetence. And the other parties were uh, people involved in the project were, were concerned about that because they were afraid that Congress might use that power to remove presidents based on pure political disagreement. I'm not worried about that. I think that the president should be removable based on political disagreement. I don't see anything wrong with that. The Congress is democratically elected, so I don't think that's an undemocratic thing, but everybody was against that. So yeah, our I, proposed.
0: I, I remember when we've talked about this back during the impeachments, your feeling is we should have had more impeachments over the years, right? Yeah.
5: Oh, far more impeachments than we've had. We've, we've, we've impeached, if you add presidents and, and uh, federal judges, we've impeached fewer than 100 people in American history. Is it really the case that there have been fewer than 100 public officials who have abused their power or been so incompetent that they deserve to be removed? I don't think so. I think a lot more deserve to be removed and just weren't.
4: So, yeah, just to clarify, you do not have a problem with a president who's so unpopular with Congress. They say, look, this guy's a piece of crap. Let's call him crazy and just vote him out.
5: Totally think that. so that's perfectly legitimate to do.
0: But so don't you end up with so if you had a giant red wave? Let, let's pick normal times, not the times we live in. But if we lived in normal times and you had a giant red wave right now, like Obama had the, I mean, well, that did the reverse. But if you had a giant red wave right now, um, so they just get to boot out Biden because they got the numbers.
5: I don't see why not. I, if, the, if the voters are that much against the president's party, then why not remove him? They're going, if Congress can find other ways to stymie the president's uh, efforts, if they're that opposed to him anyway, they can you know eliminate his powers. They could deprive him of funding. They can do all these other things. Why not allow them to impeach him and replace him with somebody that everybody else can get along with? I think that would be perfectly. If Donald Trump had been impeached and removed from office, he would have been replaced by another Republican. It's not like it would have been another. Uh, all of a sudden the Democrats own the White House. Mike Pence. So to become president, sure. so it wouldn't. Have, so I don't. I don't think that's really a major concern, and I. I, I think the re, the opposition is that they don't want the president to be just a figurehead of Congress, but I think we're at more risk of an of a of a dangerously independent president. Yeah, and and a democratic system should lean in favor
4: of Congress, which is more democratic.
5: I find that I mean, one my really goodness.
4: interesting. Yeah in the wake Another of, the, one of our uh,
5: amendments
4: is Well hang on a second. Before we forge yeah. ahead, I was gonna say in the wake of every single chief executive grabbing more and more power and making more and more extreme executive actions over the last, you know, thirty years. Uh I, I, I get the appeal of that. Um, do we have two left, Tim? Oh, I think we got three left. Oh, three left. Some of them
5: are kind of boring, so I won't talk about (laughs) them.
4: Well, I I was going to, you can name check them at least. I was going to humbly suggest we take a break so we don't have to rush
0: through them. Yeah, I like that idea. This is interesting stuff to me. Uh, More with Tim Sandifer when we come back. Star Trek, because our guest Tim Sandifer, vice president of litigation at the Goldwater Institute, I don't know another human being who can quote more lines from the original Star Trek and lines from the Declaration of Independence from memory than Tim Sandifer. And, And Tim's analysis of
4: the foreign policy of Star Trek through the decades is absolutely spot on. On the other hand. Uh, Tim participated in a radical back and owl recently in which they shredded the constitution set fire to the uh the shreds and proposed changes to the sacred document.
0: For instance Tim believes the government should be able to force you to quarter troops.
1: <laughs> Got to stay somewhere, right? <laughs> You know, this all
5: brings to mind the episode, The Omega Glory, in which Captain Kirk quotes from the Constitution's preamble in a dramatic, climactic moment, an episode that makes no sense until you realize it ought to have been the Declaration of Independence. Then the whole episode would have been great. But anyway.
0: <laughs> you participated in a an exercise in which a bunch of smart people got together and said, if we could change the converse- Constitution easily, what would we change? And we've gone through a, a couple of them. If you didn't hear those, grab the podcast. Look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand. What other changes did you want to make?
5: Well, Joe is right. There was only two, not three left. And the other two are to uh, allow Congress what we call a legislative veto, which which means allow Congress to block the president from taking actions that are, you know, not necessarily law kind of actions. So, for example, um, the, pres- the president is in charge of all the regulatory agencies, everything from the EPA to the, you know, TSA. And those agencies often make regulations or rules that aren't technically law, but are, you know, binding on people. And this is a, a big problem, of course, because these agencies are really largely undemocratic bureaucrats just coming up with rules to impose on the rest of us. So we wanted to allow Congress broader authority to block that from happening when they think that that ought not to be the case. So we gave Congress the power to block executive actions. Now, the term executive actions would also include things like deploying troops. Mm. If the president decides to send the military to some foreign country without a declaration of war, Congress could come in and, ta- and veto that. And that's the term we use is veto. So... I wasn't really turned on by this amendment myself. I mean, the other members of the team were re- were really into this. Personally, I don't think this changes a lot, because Congress can already do that, frankly. Congress could already pass a law to block all of these things from happening. And it doesn't do that, because Congress honestly loves to wash its hands of responsibility. They love it when the agencies do things, because then they can claim, oh, it wasn't me, I didn't vote for the thing, You know, and pretend that they're innocent. So I don't think that that accomplishes a lot, but it also doesn't hurt, so I voted in favor of that.
4: Was it just a simple majority or a supermajority?
5: the way that we uh, oh the our proposal is to allow a simple majority of the of both houses of congress to veto any executive
4: action i'm kind of surprised team liberal voted for that
5: yeah i me too but they i think they were concerned about things like the you know the president sending troops overseas and things like that too and then our final amendment was to make it easier to amend the Constitution. It's very hard to amend mm-hmm. the U.S. Constitution. And there's a, there's a, if you're a libertarian like me, you think probably right away you're like, well, I want it to be hard to change the Constitution. Well, that's not necessarily the case. You might want to make it easier for this reason. If you don't amend the Constitution, judges will find ways of perverting the existing Constitution to allow something to happen that they shouldn't allow to happen. And then that sets a precedent for the future. So, for example, it would have been better if the Constitution had been amended to, co- to make things like Social Security or the, uh, the, the, the regulatory welfare state agencies, to put those into the Constitution would have been a better thing than what happened in the 1930s, which is that the Supreme Court changed how it interpreted the Constitution to allow these things to happen. By changing the interpretation of the existing terms, you open the door to all sorts of craziness, to come in the in the decades to follow, so Interesting. it's better to amend the. It's better to have bad amendments to the Constitution than to allow the courts to pervert the existing language to allow bad things to happen. So we decided to make it easier to amend the Constitution, and one of the ways that we do that is by saying that if the ma- majority of the entire country is in favor of the amendment, then that's uh, then that's good enough even if a number of states don't vote for it. The way that the current amendment is done is calculated by states, Mm -hmm. which means, of course, that that states with very few people like Wyoming, they get the same kind of vote as a state like California with a huge number of people. We think that there should be a way that the the total population of the United States counts instead of doing it on a state-by-state basis. So we, we moderated the language a little bit to kind of make it slightly easier to amend the U.S. Constitution.
4: That brings up an obvious question. How do you feel about the Electoral College, which is a similar idea?
5: Well, I think there's been the best argument I've heard is proposal that I've heard for changing the Electoral College is to eliminate the people and just change it to a point system so that you automatically get points. Based on what states you win, and those are calculated like an automatic electoral college, and that gets rid oh, of see. the problem of faithless electors.
0: Hey, we're uh, electro- we're almost out of time. Give me a letter grade for the founding fathers on the Constitution as they wrote it. What, what do you give them?
4: Oh, oh, a solid A, not an A plus, but a solid A. There you go. And like an old timey A, not an inflated modern A. Yeah. Not-
5: oh yeah, no, not not a feel good kind of uh, E for effort kind of A. Definitely
4: <laughs> Tim <laughs> Sanford is. Anything some of them don't even get that some of them went home without actually doing their work (laughs) tim sandifer vice president for litigation of the goldwater institute really interesting stuff tim thanks for the time as always yeah that was great thank you guys yep of course
0: and if you just caught the tail end of it again you can get the podcast armstrong and getty on demand much more to tell you in the final half hour armstrong and getty on demand
3: armstrong and
2: at purdueglobal.edu.
6: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
4: Hey, command, на счет три. Раз, два,
6: три.
0: speak Russian, but I'm told that's the crowd chanting Russia, Russia, Russia on the queue from Vladimir Putin there in Red Square. Him having officially in his mind annexed about one-fifth of the country of Ukraine at this point, 40,000 square miles as they held a perfectly legitimate vote this week. And uh, all provinces voted by between 87 and 97 percent to join russia and putin had a signing ceremony today so it's official in his mind that those provinces of ukraine are now part of russia and he had the crowd there chanting russia 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 and and he says so if you attack uh now uh, you're attacking russia
4: i understand they had a parade after that the parade was one five hundredths as long as the parade of young russian men fleeing the country good one
0: gotcha good one you did man he jammed some irony down my throat whether i wanted it or not um so how are people feeling about this annexation and everything like that here's a report on that
6: there's outrage being expressed um from from various of course western countries that have been fundamentally opposed to what russia has been doing uh, the united nations secretary general is saying this goes against you know all of the basis of you know the international system of rules um it was put most succinctly i think by president biden who came out with a very adamant statement saying that the united states would quote never recognize These territories, which are soon to be annexed by Russia, to be part of the Russian Federation.
0: That's Matthew Chance of CNN who goes on to spell out the threat.
6: The fact is that Russia, after this signing ceremony, intends to incorporate these regions uh, into the Russian Federation. A Russian flag in the minds of the Kremlin at least, will be planted uh, in that territory. And the Kremlin has said categorically that if it comes down to it, it will use nuclear weapons to defend Mother Russia. And as far as it's concerned, this territory from very shortly will be part of Mother Russia.
0: So is this like if I went and sat in somebody's expensive car and said, this is my car, and if you try to take it from me, I I have the right to defend myself physically because it is my car? yeah, it's kind of a carjacking.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think it is incredibly revealing that even Russia's closest allies, when asked if they support the annexation, were like, uh, i got to go over here. I'll get back to you. Nobody is saying, yep, legit, looks good. Not even like Serbia, which is very loyal. But I feel but like, what are you going to do? Might yeah. makes right sometimes. Well. Well the answer what are you gonna do is is whatever happens next. Ukraine's not gonna put up with it. We've vowed no that's not legit at all. Then then does Putin I don't know, does he detonate a nuclear blast under the Black Sea or something like that as an overt
2: oh,
0: uh, balling
4: of the fist.
0: So one interesting thing, we were gonna have one of our military guys on, maybe we'll do that Monday. And I like talking to Mike Lyons, we talk to him a lot, Jeff McCoslin now and then. But if you take in this punditry from former generals or majors or whoever on cable news, you'll notice that they don't all agree, um, which is kind of interesting. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, right. you know, it's uh, The Art of War is the name of the book. It's not the, you know, there is military science, but there's a lot of, I think this will happen. <laughs> there's a lot of theory that goes on. Uh, but I saw one of your generals, and I don't remember. I thought it was Petraeus, but it might not be so. Well, one of your generals, speculating on what our threat was. Remember on the Sunday shows when our Secretary of State said, "No, we, we're talking to them personally and letting them know exactly what we're willing to do." There it, will
4: be catastrophic consequences,
0: and it'd yes. be catastrophic. And the guess was from one of these generals, and I, it sounds right, is your navy, which is situated around a lot of Ukraine, will be at the bottom of the sea within an hour. Oh, Crimea! That's a pretty good one, right there. That's the a pretty South good one.
4: Coast, yeah. So oof.
0: your land forces have been devastated. You've lost so many tanks. Your air force, so many planes. Sixty aircraft you've lost in this amount of time. We will sink your entire navy. Wow, that's pretty well, that's, good. That's overt war. What are you gonna? How are you gonna respond, though? What are you gonna respond with if you've lost sixty aircraft? your army is decimated you can't even take on the ukrainians and your navy's now at the bottom of the sea nukes you fool nukes all right but that would be merely a it's like a gesture at that point that's just like you know setting the house on fire as you walk out the door isn't it you're gonna yeah, die but
4: it's a gesture that would kill you know 30 million people in in the, you know california
0: Well, right um I, uh, there's um apparently doctrine going back to the cold war i was It's not surprising, but I was unaware of this on how we would react to a nuclear strike and that sort of thing. And one of them was uh, you attack the homes of whoever. So Putin's cool homes that he's got all over various nice parts of Russia, we would immediately drone them. Wow. Put a cruise missile up his dacha. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Your your dacha's smoking. That sort of thing. Sink the sink there navy blow up his own homes that sort of thing that's actually what the doctrine was back in the 80s wow wow now it's personal how do you react any less than that if the guy uses a nuke what are the other options hope he doesn't do it again we've actually
4: had this conversation before no certainly not hope please you insult me sir um The entire international community, including China and India and probably not North Korea, but they're idiots. Anyway, uh, everybody comes together and isolates Russia utterly in a way that's never been seen in world history before.
0: But over a period of how long? So if he sets off a tactical nuke somewhere and some part of Ukraine looks like parts of Florida look like right now, Mm -hmm. Ukraine is going to continue to battle. So right. what's making you think he's not going to set off another nuke tonight or tomorrow or Saturday? Tomorrow is Saturday, you idiot. Well, that's,
4: that's the, the point of diplomacy and, and uh, negotiation. Could that You'd...
0: come together fast enough, though? I think so. I think so. Man, I these mean, are you... some high-level decisions a lot of people would be making. Well, right, but I think you would agree that
4: the main goal is to avoid nuclear holocaust. If you can achieve the same goal without nuclear holocaust, I suggest you spend a couple of minutes trying to figure out if you can think of one. Think of one way to do that.
0: Because you're concerned that if we sink his navy and explode his home, his smoking dacha, that he fires missiles on New York? That would be a Uh, suicidal move.
4: It's at least something you have to contemplate. You have to game that out. And see, okay, can we find a solution that achieves our goals without that
0: risk? They have been talking about this since uh, 1945. And I've read a whole bunch of books about it and the various um, plans we had in place during different administrations. And and one of the plans, I think it was under Carter, was we would absorb the first blast and start into the negotiations you're talking about. All right, Mm -hmm. you've done it now. You're going to be isolated on the world stage. Right. Do you we're going to bring
4: you to your knees in other ways. Yeah, no. uh, it, it, To illustrate the whole, th- that would be a suicide move you mentioned if Putin were to do that. <clears throat> uh, I've made a couple of references uh, to the dead hand doctrine in the Soviet Union. You want to give folks a, a little
0: description of that? Well, the idea was that we had computerized and they had computerized their missiles to the point that if you hit Washington, D.C. and all the people that would make these decisions were now dead, these would automatically be launched by the dead hand of a computer. And Russia mm-hmm. had the same thing. And you could end up with all most of the world dead, but computers firing missiles at each other for the right. coming hours or days.
4: Right, because you can't allow them to detect decapitate your regime to the point that you don't retaliate. So you tell them, yeah, you can level all of Washington, D.C., and there's a missile silo somewhere in Nebraska that's going to unleash half a dozen of the biggest bombs ever made, so you did yourself no good.
0: Right. Oof, that's some amazing stuff to think about.
4: You know, I like being alive. I'd rather not be dead. Certainly not rather be dead over this Stupid, stupid conflict.
0: Well, are we? No, freaking kidding. It's over, dude. Why can't Why can't just uh, my bad? I thought I could do it. I mean, you. The, <laughs> it's over. There's no winning at this point for you. One thing that is known is you can't win at this point. It's over. So why make it worse? Yeah,
4: well, I know there's a segment of the right side of the aisle that would be like, why are we messing with this at all? We don't care about Ukraine. It was a corrupt former Soviet republic. They were trying to reform, but who cares? Let
0: Putin have the land. I think that's a crazy idea.
4: Nuclear holocaust is a crazy idea, Jack. Mm.
0: Well, okay, so then every nuclear power on Earth has just been given the go-ahead to take whatever land they want.
4: Which will lead to a period of unholy chaos, death, and eventually nuclear holocaust.
0: Right, only with a much worse economy in the in-between. Right, right. Yeah. Anyway, Uh, this is some cheery. Yes, so it's all It's certainly real. This is not this is not the usual for me. Just speculation about things that are incredibly unlikely. There's a decent chance this happens. And it all comes down to as it has since February, unfortunately, and it's getting narrower and narrower. It's all what's in that one weirdo's head. How sane is he? What's how's he want to go down in history? What kind of pressure is he feeling from his generals or his girlfriend or whoever?
4: And the fact that we have a president who has good days and bad days and a vice president who's a dope, I mean, that does not help a bit.
0: Doesn't help. We'll finish strong next. Well, it is what it is because he is who he is. That's why it is
1: what it is.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
2: at purdueglobal.edu.
6: The Armstrong and Getty
3: Show. I don't care if Monday's blue.
1: Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too. Thursday, I don't care about you. We
0: we failed you the listener again you tune in for a fond look back at the week that was at a certain time every week and we didn't give it to you
4: yeah we had tim sandifer booked and we'd meant to do it last segment but uh, better late than never let's take a fond look back at the week that was it's cow clips of the week Three,
1: You. Oh my
3: goodness! Yeah. Seven, oh, six, wow. Nine. Take a look at this. Those little corkscrew things are the germs of syphilis. Syphilis. Nice, doctor. I. Now take it easy. TransBody program is a one of a kind in the nation. And um, it's a lot of money. These surgeries make a lot of money. And institutions are looking to Vanderbilt to replicate and expand programs like ours
2: thousands of students across Virginia walking out of class in solidarity. Protesting Virginia Governor Yunkin's new guidelines for trans students.
3: I feel upset. I feel outraged. It makes me feel unsafe. Are we seeing the beginning of the collapse of the Russian army?
0: The Russians that I keep in touch with in Russia are convinced he's going to go nuclear.
4: Any use of nuclear weapons will be met with catastrophic consequences for Russia.
3: All these people behind me have been on a days-long journey from Russia. They say that they have, don't have any plans, but they just needed to get out. Protesters tearing down a picture of the Supreme Leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. If you don't support women of Iran, women of Afghanistan, terrorists will get united and they will end feminism. So the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea.
0: You're looking at uh, a storm that that, that's changed uh, the character uh, of a significant part of our state. He's calling it a 500-year flooding event.
1: We're talking about some areas that are going to get
2: 15 to 20 inches of rainfall. If I had my waiters on, I would uh, jump out and come talk to them. But
3: yeah, put on your freaking waiters.
4: (laughs) (laughs) You work for one of the biggest news organizations on earth. Put on your
3: god-danged waiters, yo. Baby! <laughs> In the briefing room, commotion over the president's mental acuity.
5: Representative
0: Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, was going to be here.
3: And uh, she was on top of mind. I, mean, I have
5: John Lennon
0: top of mind just about every day,
5: but I'm not looking around for him anyway.
3: When you <laughs> sign a bill for John Lennon, Lennon has president, then we can have this conversation. That didn't make a lot of sense. <laughs>
0: What where'd it go, Michael?
6: That, that was it. It came to an
0: end like that. What happened? okay? That was, was outrageous. I thought I had died.
4: you know it's funny I hadn't realized that uh don lemon's uh if I was wearing my waiters, I would go over there was in uh, cow. I was going to call for that. We talked about that earlier. I happened to be watching CNN uh, while working out buffing my already uh, impressive physique. Um. <laughs> Actually, trying not to die of a heart attack, but um, uh, Don Lemon, they sent him down a report from the flooded uh, Florida, and it was unintentionally so funny. <laughs> I would go over there and talk to them if I was wearing my waders.
1: He is like a little baby.
4: Why aren't you wearing? You've got big men pulling you around in a boat. <laughs> They're walking through the water, but you're in the, the boat and you're dressing parasol. <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> way to send down. I mean, you got Jim Cantore of uh, the National Weather Service getting battered by fallen trees and leaning into a hundred mile per hour wind, and then you've got Don Lemon being pulled around in a boat. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> anyway, yeah. <sighs> The week is over
0: so soon, are you kidding me? I have have a good final thought that is a kind of breaking news I look forward to lay on you. Oh boy.
1: Hi, this is Corn Pop. When
0: I'm not trying to get my razor rusty in a rain barrel, I listen to Final Thoughts with Armstrong and Getty. And here's your host, Joe Getty. Hey, let's
4: get a final thought from everybody on the crew. Michelangelo, our technical director, will lead us off. Michael? Yeah, in about a month, i got to fly somewhere, and I'm really hoping that somebody breaks into the intercom and starts making groaning
6: noises or funny (laughs) one-liners.
4: Really, I, I will be enjoying it. I will be the one laughing. Young Alex is our behind-the-scenes producer. Alex, a final thought for us.
0: You know, there's so many stories now about bad flyers, the intercom thing, whatever. I I feel like people are just trying to one-up each other on the level of stupid they can get away with while flying. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Jack, a final thought for us. I was watching our friend Mike Lyons on CNN earlier this week talk about there's a possibility that all those Russian troops down in the southeast could get trapped Well, that may have happened, breaking news in the last couple hours that a lightning counterattack by the Ukrainians may have trapped thousands of men in a key city that is supposedly part of Russia. Mike Lyons tweeting out just a few hours ago, Let's see if 20,000 Russians surrender with their equipment and how that goes over in Moscow. But that might be happening right now.
4: Wow. I'll be monitoring that after the program. My final thought is uh, last night I almost so pulled a Joe. My mind works really well in some ways and really poorly in others. We had a window upstairs that was partially opened. It's been open for months as we've been trying to air condition the place. Right. And so I'm trying to figure out how to get through the screen because the screen's like painted in. And uh, and how do I access it to pull it closed because the crank is broken? Blah, blah, blah. And I almost called Judy to see if she wanted to help. Then I realized, oh, the window right next to it doesn't have a screen. I can just open it and reach out and pull the thing closed. <laughs> I came so
0: close. I lost my man card! Oh, if she had pointed that out to you.
4: <laughs> aruga, Aruga Where's your man card, sir? Hand it in That would have been rough Joe, why don't you uh, just open the window next to it And reach out
0: <laughs> Okay, that's one way to approach it <laughs> Why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday
4: so many people, thanks so a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great clicks for you under hot links. You can grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Pick yourself up some A&G swag. My goodness, what a lovely Christmas gift that would make.
0: I'm hoping to see headlines of 20,000 Russian soldiers surrendering soon. Uh, see you on Monday. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. This is a beautiful moment. This is the sort of original sin.
1: This is a joke. It's cool. I don't give two crabs. I haven't said a word, so stop yelling at me. Uh,
4: okay. Enough talk. Do you understand? No, and then no, and then no, no, no,
5: no, and then no. I mean, that's saying something quite strong. It's just astonishing. Thank
3: you for tolerance for listening to me. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great Friday, you mother... Uh,
1: Armstrong and
3: Getty